This is Docera Digest Podcast, breaking down health concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Docera Life Center. This innovative clinic is finding new solutions to the evolving challenges mankind faces in the 21st century. By utilizing cutting edge technology and testing, they find root causes and also offer treatment with energy and nutrition. What is the mission? To dynamically change lives for the better while impacting families for generations. The information shared directly or indirectly in the Docera Digest podcast is not to be understood as or misconstrued as medical advice. This information is not a replacement for your current health provider who is acutely aware of your current health state and course of treatment. Any information shared about a product or service discussed by any host or guest on this podcast is not to be interpreted as a doctor-patient relationship. Hi, I'm Dr. Kaisen Frank. Welcome back to another series of the Sarah Digest. This one's going to be an exciting one. It's going to be a six-part series. And I'm really excited to introduce this series to you. It's something we all deal with, we all struggle with, and it's the root cause that leads to many diseases and infections, and it's also the root cause of some of the top 10 killers in the United States. And so it's something that I think we really need to address and discuss in many different levels here, and it can lead to a lower quality of life. So today, we're going to start a series on stress and anxiety. And I can't stress that enough. <laughs> the original definition of stress was actually an architectural engineering term that was pressure or tension exerted on a material object. Later, it was defined as a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. It has been used in many different avenues and directions since then and continues to be expanded. So how do you know if you have stress in your life? just in case you're not unaware of it. We see changes of mood. Sometimes you have clammy or sweaty palms, a decreased sex drive, diarrhea, difficulty sleeping. You have, get a lot of digestive problems, gut issues there. Sometimes you feel dizzy. You're feeling anxious, frequent sicknesses. You just can't seem to kick it. You catch everything that goes around. You have grinding of your teeth at night. You develop headaches. You have low energy. Muscle tension, especially in the neck and shoulders, which most of us fam are familiar with that because that's where we carry our stress. And then we have physical aches and pains, racing heartbeat, and trembling in the body. Some of us have been stressed for so long, we hardly know what life would be like without it. We hope the series will help you identify and recognize these areas of concern in your life and give you some direction on how to deal with it and increase your quality of life and the direction to achieving your life's purposes. So there are many types of stresses, which we'll discuss in our first episode here. And then in this episode two, we will be going to some very interesting things that we talk about triggers or being triggered, what sequence of events have led us to being triggered. Episode three, we will recap many of the types of diseases from previous episodes and how they create many types of stress in our bodies. In episode four, we're going to talk about the adverse outcomes of these stressors if they go unchecked, untreated, or unresolved. In episode five, we'll be talking about preventions and therapies, how to address these stressors in your life. And finally, we'll discuss our approach and how we go about helping people and our patients deal with these stressors in their lives and try to resolve these things and try to get their life back on track and to be able to live up to the fullest purpose. And so without further ado, I'm going to kick this to Dr. Luke, who's going to talk about physical stress. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Kyson. Um, so we're going to start, like you said, from the outside working inward here, and I'm going to lead us off with the manifestations of physical stress. Uh, as far as physical symptoms go, it touches virtually every system of the body. 
Obviously, we're dividing up stress as far as how it impacts different systems in the body. I think in the West, we've lost our overall understanding of how we as humans are one being. In other words, it's easy to kind of take an assembly line approach to health with all the different specialties. And it is, of course, important to have those specialties at certain moments. But we must remember, too, that we are one being. We're not divided up compartmentally into mind, spirit, and physical. We're one whole being. Uh, and if there's one problem in the body, it's going to virtually affect the whole person. So it's important to keep this in mind because if there is stress, I feel like many people have a tendency to bury it and kind of set it off to the side. And that can just be downright detrimental to the person as a whole because you can get caught chasing the smoke and not addressing the fire. Anywho, let's dive into the uh, physical effects of stress. According to the American Psychological Association, uh, there's an article and um, I want to take a look at some of the most common physical manifestations of stress. And before we dive in for the intents and purposes of our discussion, I'm mainly referring to chronic stress. Uh, our bodies are equipped to handle stress in spurts or small doses, but if chronic stress persists, as it does for most individuals, this is called being stuck in our fight or flight response. And here are the effects of that. Uh, starting off, you know, with us being chiropractors, I think, you know, posturally and musculoskeletally, it's important to start with that. So think about what happens when we're stressed or anxious. What posture does the body take? Typically, what happens is our shoulders roll inwards. Our back hunches forward, and it's almost like we're trying to protect or guard our heart. And what happens chronically when we observe this is the following. Muscles are tensing up. Think about like if you were to flex your bicep for a really long time without noticing it, this is what's going on uh, to our upper back muscles, our neck muscles, and our uh, upper chest muscles. So folks who uh, are engaged in this type of posture typically, again, have tight upper pec muscles, uh, tight upper neck muscles at the base of your skull. Um, weakened or inhibited mid to upper back muscles, weak neck flexors. So in plain terms, this can cause neck pain, uh, mid back pain, shoulder pain. And uh, like Dr. Kyson had mentioned, headaches like tension headaches or what are called cervicogenic headaches, which means headaches that come from the origin of the neck, um, where it feels like there's a band essentially being wrapped tight around the side of your head uh, that just feels like straight up pain or throbbing or pulsing or pounding. And these are just a couple of examples of musculoskeletal pain, but if the stress is not addressed, this can lead to debilitating chronic pain that can rob a person of their quality of life. Uh, next up, I want to touch on the respiratory system. The respiratory system is, of course, the body's breathing system, which brings oxygen into the body and pushes CO2 waste out. And, and think about a time that you may have been stressed or anxious in a given moment. Did your breathing change at all? Often what happens is that when one is stressed or anxious, their breathing becomes short and shallow, and in severe cases, this is hypoventilation where the body is an increase in CO2 due to the inadequate gas exchange. So in other words, we're not getting enough oxygen in and we're retaining more CO2, which is going to create an, an acidic environment, which can lead to a whole host of issues. Also, what happens physically when we shallow breathe is we're utilizing our shoulders and chest to draw breath in as opposed to our diaphragm and core which can further contribute to or worsen the before-mentioned pain in the musculoskeletal section. Next up, I want to talk about the cardiovascular system, um, it, which is referring to heart and blood vessels. Repeated acute stress and chronic stress can lead to an increase in our stress hormones, such as adrenaline, noradrenaline, and cortisol, which Dr. Bowers is going to hit on, of course, and lead to the following in the and can lead to the following symptoms in the cardiovascular system: consistent and ongoing increase in heart rate increase in blood pressure, which can lead to an increased risk for heart attack and stroke. 
I think the big one is the endocrine system. Um, when one perceives a stressor or threat beyond their control, the brain initiates a series of events within what is called the HPA axis, which is a really big fancy term, which stands for hypothalamic pituitary and adrenal axis. And in reality, the HPA axis is a grossly oversimplified term because there are really so many different systems that are at play when it comes to hormone and hormone regulation, such as psychosocial factors, spiritual factors, neuroendocrine immune access, which refers to the nervous system, hormones, and the immune system. But for our intents and purposes, we'll stick with HPA axis, which refers to essentially the brain and the adrenals. And the most grossly oversimplified version, here's a good working concept for you as a listener to understand. Uh, there's going to be a stressor. The stressor is going to act on the brain and the brain's going to release a hormone um, that's from the hypothalamus, which is going to essentially act on the pituitary gland, which then releases another hormone that's going to act on the adrenals. And then the adrenals are going to release what's called cortisol, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. Long story short, I'm not talking about adrenal fatigue as that's not a real diagnosis per se. But what I am saying is that when we're stuck in fight or flight or chronic stress, this can lead to the impairment of communication between the immune system, the HPA axis, and the nervous system, and the endocrine system, which can ultimately result in fatigue or chronic fatigue, and even metabolic disorders such as obesity and diabetes, depression, and make us further susceptible to various immune disorders. And the last system I want to touch on here is the gastrointestinal system. And this one can go both ways. Sometimes we can have a chronic and subclinical infections in the gut, such as bacterial, viral, or parasitic, which can then lead to mood or behavioral disturbances. Or you can have stress and anxiety, which again lowers immune function, which can give rise or increase susceptibility to some of these various diseases. Symptoms to pay attention to here are bloating, constipation, diarrhea, abdominal pain, altered eating habits, such as stress eating or overeating, or not eating enough or not eating at all. That's why when approaching GI symptoms and stress, it's important to identify the root cause, and oftentimes it's necessary to take a multi-pronged approach in addressing GI dysfunction, but also working on the psychosocial and spiritual issues underlying it as well. And this is by no means a comprehensive list, and this article does go on to talk about more systems of the body that stress impacts, but I think this is a good start to begin to get people and, and you as a listener to begin thinking about symptoms and how they might be having um, stress that's that's buried and underlying a lot of these symptoms. And maybe it's time to start thinking about that stress and facing up to it. And we'll, of course, get into some practical applications later in the series. So stick with us. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Dr. Caleb. All right. Thank you, Dr. Luke. So I'm going to be getting a little emotional with you guys this series as I am talking about emotional stress in both this episode and the next one. So in this episode, I'm going to do more of an overview of what emotional stress is, how to recognize it, as well as some of the dangers of it. In the next episode, I'm going to go much deeper as we discuss the causes of emotional stress, what emotions actually are, and why they can be so confusing. Now, you may feel like you're already quite familiar with emotional stress, as it is probably the form of stress that we feel and recognize the most. You have likely experienced significant levels of emotional stress in the form of anxiety while taking a test or doing an interview, as fear or terror just by hearing the words public speaking, or as sadness or depression after a breakup with a significant other or the loss of a loved one. So many of us deal with emotional stress on a daily basis, if not an hourly one. 
how we handle emotional stress is extremely important because, as we've said before with all the different symptoms, it can cause all sorts of physiological and psychological symptoms that can dynamically impact your daily quality of life. So according to the American Psychological Association, around three-quarters of adults said they have experienced health impacts due to stress in the prior month, including headache, fatigue, feeling nervous or anxious, and or feeling depressed or sad. Adults with a higher average stress level were significantly more likely than those with a lower average stress level to report experiencing those symptoms. Around 7 in 10 adults experience additional health impacts due to stress, including feeling overwhelmed, experiencing changes in sleep habits, and or worrying constantly. About 15% on average and up to 30% in those with higher stress levels said they have been using alcohol, cigarettes, or drugs, including prescription drugs, to relax. So anxiety and stress have increased dramatically across the board these past few years, especially with the impact the pandemic had on health, social connections, jobs, and finances. And there are also many other social, cultural, and political issues that are currently impacting stress levels for many right now. So we've already talked about several of the signs of stress in general. I'm not going to go through all of them again, but signs you're dealing with emotional stress, definitely feeling overwhelmed, um, confusion or difficulty concentrating, anxiety and worry. So anxiety is probably the one we are most familiar with and the one we experience pretty much the most commonly. Uh, depression, again, that's so emotional stress is the base or the foundation of depression, mood swings, frequent headaches and stomach aches. So weight loss or weight gain, I think this is interesting because you can look at how we can either have weight loss due to all that anxiety and emotional distress causing a lack of hunger, or we can get a weight gain as a result of emotional eating to feel kind of a satisfaction or fullness within us. And again, sleeping too much, too little, uh, disconnecting from people, low energy, lack of motivation or drive, um, feeling guilty but not sure why. And then, of course, in extreme cases, thinking of hurting or killing yourself or someone else. Obviously, symptoms vary with different levels, combinations, or time periods of stress. Um, but we can see that it's definitely something that, if not handled correctly, can become very serious. And I think we see a lot more issues going on in the news and other things because of these higher levels of stress that it isn't getting managed <clears throat> properly. So these are some signs that we can recognize emotional stress, but what actually is emotional stress? So according to American Psychological Association, again, it's a type of stress that causes an intense and negative stress response when someone experiences emotions like worry, fear, frustration, danger, or sadness. So my definition is a bit more simple. I th say emotional stress is when emotions are or that are difficult for us to process are evoked as a response to some stimulus, such as a thought, an action, or an experience. Now, that might still be a little too wordy for some, so an even simpler way to explain it is this. Something happens that causes us to feel emotions to a degree that we can't work through, and that causes unease within us relative to the intensity of the emotions. I don't think that was much smaller. <laughs> Simpler words, though. I think so. I don't know. Maybe. We'll let you guys uh, put some comments no in. No stress over it. No stress, man. 
<laughs> All right. So as we said, there are definitely some dangers with it. It can really affect the quality of life. Um, I think the biggest thing when we're talking about dangers of stress, especially emotional stress, is how we handle it. Um, we have a lot of different coping mechanisms, and most of the time those coping methods are really more just ignoring or trying to uh, numb ourselves to that, like with addictions. But I know myself personally, I've struggled with this a lot of my life is instead of dealing with emotions, pushing through them, I try to push them down and bury them until I can get to them later. But the problem is we just keep adding more and more. And, you know, it's kind of like trying to push down the trash and trash can or compressing it so it doesn't overflow. But if you never actually take the trash out and you keep putting more in, eventually it's going to overflow and maybe even fall over and everything just all of a sudden tips out at once. I think we see this uh, quite a bit in marriages where, you know, one person suppresses or represses their emotions. And then one day they reach that tipping point and all of a sudden months or years worth of stuff starts coming up. Um, so it's important not just for your own personal health, but for your relationships and your, um, especially marriages, to really get in the habit of addressing these emotions and these uh, stresses in a more healthy way. Okay. So I think um, that emotional stress is kind of, again, one we under we are most familiar with, but I think we understand it the least out of all of them. And I think it's really because there's a lot of interplay between emotional stress and all the other types of stress. And I'm going to get into that more next episode. I'm really going to look on what emotions actually are, why they occur and where they come from, or at least try to. Uh, people have been trying to answer that for centuries. So we'll see what I can do with that. Um, but a lot of it plays into the mindset or belief systems that we have and how our situations or circumstances um, interact with those. So speaking of mindsets, we're going to go ahead and turn it over to Dr. Craig to talk about mental stress. There you go. Thanks, Dr. Caleb. You're welcome. One of the things that I think is interesting is stress tends to be used as kind of this overarching term. And, and I agree with Dr. Luke that it's important to look at the body as a whole. I also think it's beneficial at times to um, decide what specific type of stress are we dealing with, because it can give us an indicator of where within these multiple layers of ourself is the blockage or the dysfunction at. And so when it comes to mental stress, we typically associate that with the mind, the brain, the neurology. So first let's talk about too little activity. This is typically related to infections such as mold, bacteria, parasites, which we've talked about before, and their toxins. It can also be due to malnutrition. In this case, we typically are dealing with things like we can't focus very well, we're having difficulty processing clearly. We're having memory and recall issues. And depending upon the intensity of the stress response, we can even have personality changes. Then there is what is the having too much activity. And this is where I, when to me, when I think about mental stress, this is really what I think about the most. When we have overstimulation of the neurologic system, your mind races, you can't shut it off. What I find it's also more consciously driven, whereas the too little activity tends to be more unconscious or subconscious driven. So why does this occur? Well, first of all, it can also be related to the infections and toxins. Not only can they suppress, but they can also overstimulate as well. You can get too much glutamate and too little GABA, like we discussed in our parasite episode. But more often than not, I think the stress reaction is the thought itself. It's, and what's interesting, it's not exactly the thought itself, but it's how we think about the thought we tend to overthink. And so 
I'm going to simplify mine down and I know I haven't taken much time here, but I'm going to go in way more in depth on thoughts in the next episode. But to put it simply, mental stress is just simply overthinking. Now, I think there's a couple interesting things that tie in here as well. One is the concept of association. The brain connects many different things together. And so as we have neurologic activity, it doesn't just activate that specific thought process. It's whatever it's associated with or connected to. So this is where we can start to spiral out of control. This is actually a great example because I'm looking at my notes and I'm going, uh, does not compute, does not compute. So let's just do this. Here's, here's what I'm going to leave my part with. Why do we overthink? And I think this actually just leads us into the spiritual realm, which I'm going to let you dive into. And I'm sure as we get done here, we'll have some little discussions that yeah, we'll. will add to what we're dealing with. Super. Thanks, Dr. Craig. Wow. I can certainly understand some of those issues. So, so far, we've heard about the physical, the emotional, and the mental types of stress. I'm sure most of you watching or listening to this would agree we've all experienced some of these issues. So to clarify what stress is, as Dr. Frank talked about, it's the meaning of restriction and limitedness and the reflecting individual psychosomatic states under physical pressure or mental demands, like what we just just noticed and just witnessed and experienced. Now, as you've heard, stress is- You're welcome, by the way. Yep. Yeah. See, I, I, wanted, I, to, I wanted to give us that. an example. <laughs> he, and you, thank you, Dr. Craig. You came right on, tar, right on time, man. So some other names associated with stress are things like anxiety, burdens, pressures, oppression, efforts, exertion, struggles, pains, and strains. And then there is distress, which is a stress that negatively affects you, while eustress is a stress that has a positive effect on you. So stress is also a medical term for a wide range of strong external stimuli, both physiological and psychological, which can cause a physiological response called the general adaptation syndrome. And Dr. Luke talked about some of that on the HPA axis. And then let's not forget to mention there are many different types of stress like postural, emotional, dental, and nutritional that have all been mentioned. Physiological stressors like pregnancy, injuries, and other physical health problems like posture, nutritional, dental issues as well. Then there are lifestyle stressors known as the choices we make that dictate our lifestyle. There are major life event stressors like the birth of a child, the death of a loved one, buying a car, or even buying a house. Then there's organizational stress, financial stress, investment stress, social stress, environmental stress, job or career stress, church stress, and I'm sure the list could go on and on. I'm stressed out just thinking about all those things. <laughs> Sheesh. Then we even have a different- Good thing, those weren't in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> then we even have the different types of stress, acute stress, episodic acute stress, chronic stress, and some have even included a deeper level called extreme stress. Each of these have their own characteristics, symptoms, duration, and even different treatment approaches. So why is it important to know all the different types of stress? I believe it's important to be aware of the different types of stress because it's one of the first steps in effectively managing or limiting the effects of your stress. Understanding where your feelings come from is crucial to getting things under control in the first place. Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it mental? Or is it a spiritual type of stress? Being open and aware of all your body and its needs, plus observing your surroundings, helps you to recognize what your true feelings are, your thoughts are, your values are, and how they are impacting you. It's been stated that the beginning of stress is a result of some unmet expectation. We go into a situation with a sort of a expectation, and when that does not happen, we then have to deal with the unexpected outcome with an unprepared mindset. Traditionally, when this type of stress becomes a problem, 
and you feel unprepared or unable to either deal with it or struggle with it or manage it, you begin to feel something like something's out of control and that causes some form of chaos and stress. But it has been said that applied knowledge can be powerful. And applying some specific thought processes can help you regain that sense of control. Remember that trying to understand our brain, our thoughts, our bodies, as well as our reactions does take time and effort, and this does not happen overnight. All this leads me to what I believe is one of the biggest stressors in our lives. I want to finish today's episode discussing what we call the spiritual type of stress. So what is spiritual stress? For some, the concept of a spiritual stress is the impaired ability to experience and integrate meaning and purpose in life through some form of connectedness, either with herself, with others, with art, with music, with literature, with nature, and or a power greater than oneself. Others have stated it as a disturbance in a person's belief system, defined as a disruption in the life principle that pervades a person's entire being that integrates and transcends one's biological and psychological nature. They would explain it as a type of distress that occurs occurs when a person is no longer able to find meaning, peace, comfort, strength, or connection in life. For example, it is natural for someone who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness or those who are experiencing a great physical or emotional pain to question their true beliefs or their core values of life. Some would even express it as a a psychotic spiritual stress over one's beliefs about relationships, finances, job, career pressures, issues of attaining their life goals, having a spiritual alignment with the universe, or simply being in or having a general state of happiness. What, the, what do they say down in the Dominica? Be happy, man. Yeah, be yeah. happy, man. Jamaica. 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 Jamaica, that's what it is. That other Dominican Republic. Oh, other than <laughs> the yeah. other. Well, See, they're I'm, pretty happy in the Dominican, too. So. Oh, <laughs> be happy, man. They don't live with a lot of stress. See? Well, all of us doctors here at Doceria Life Center would state that we believe spiritual stress is associated with a person's belief about God. We believe that the creator of all things created a very unique aspect in human beings that only he, the creator, can feel. It has been said that all the time, money, and effort that is spent on chasing our pleasures in life is really a humanistic approach to fulfilling that void that only God, the creator of that spot, can fill. So then, that brings me back to our beliefs about the physical, the emotional, the mental, and now the spiritual types of stress. We contend that whatever our spiritual beliefs are, they will dictate what happens to the rest of us. Once again, our core values, our core beliefs, is what we balance everything against. If a person were to believe that there is no creator, no godlike entity, then they will conclude that there is no heaven, no hell, no Satan, and that affects all their thoughts, their actions, and their outcomes. They simply live like an animal and just exist here on earth for their limited amount of time. No real meaning or significance other than to continue the population. Well, even those thoughts create a spiritual stress. This is so evident in all of our human nature. So then what are some other types or causes of spiritual stress? The three most common causes of spiritual stress are existential. Can you say that word for me? Existential. There you go. Concerns, grief over loss, and isolation. Others also would include spiritual pain, spiritual alienation, spiritual anxiety, spiritual guilt, spiritual loss, and spiritual despair. So, I'll go back to my notes. Spiritual anxiety can be a feeling of worry, uncertainty, or doubt where we stand with God. It also deals with our thoughts, ideas, and beliefs about God, who God is, and what God thinks about us, and what His love for us entails. 
Then spiritual guilt would deal with the feeling of a person's perceived responsibility for some event, action, or outcome. Either they did something, or they feel guilt and remorse about something that they did or didn't do, and the thought or feeling that either what happened was either foreseeable and preventable, or they feel like a great injustice has occurred to them and God did nothing about it. Then spiritual loss would be perceived as the aspect of either not having or losing the spiritual connection with God and therefore feeling that loss without Him. Similar to feeling like certain times in your life when you couldn't explain your own dumb behavior to anyone else, including yourself. Why did I do that? Not having the spiritual connection with the Holy Spirit to guide you during those times is also another problem. And then finally, spiritual despair or spiritual distress would express itself as some sort of suffering. It can also manifest as symptoms in any area of a person's life or experience, as stated before, physical stress or pains, the emotional and or social life, the breakdown of human relationships, and the mental or psychological life to include things like anxiety, depression, feeling of hopelessness, and then the ultimate aspect of spiritual stress, which can be described as either a religious crisis or a faith belief crisis. A very interesting research paper on this topic called The Psychology of Spiritual Struggle by Kenneth Pergament and Julie Xline. Hope I didn't mess your names up, people. They created a comprehensive and standardized measure of spiritual struggles. It's called the Religious and Spiritual Struggle Scale that assesses six types of spiritual struggles that reflect the three broad domains of supernatural, intrapsychic, and interpersonal. And here they are. Number one, divine struggles. These are manifested by feelings of anger or disappointment with God and feeling punished or abandoned or unloved by God. Number two, demonic struggles. They take the form of worries that problems are caused by the devil or evil spirits and feelings of being attacked or tormented by the devil or the demonic world. Number three, struggles with doubt. Our experience is feelings of confusion about religious or spiritual beliefs and being troubled by questions about religion or spirituality. Number four is moral struggles. These are marked by tension and guilt about not living up to one's higher standards and wrestling with attempts to follow moral principles. And then there are struggles of ultimate meaning, which reflects questions about whether one's life has a deeper meaning or whether life even really matters. And then number six, interpersonal spiritual struggles, which involve conflicts with other people and institutions about sacred issues, for example, anger at organized religion and feeling hurt, mistreated or offended by others in relation to religious or spiritual issues. Now, for those of you who are in some type of spiritual or religious position, sometimes all this can lead to what we call a spiritual burnout. So I want to remind all of us the verse in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the New International Version it states, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Now, how? When? Every in time. every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Wait a minute. Am I supposed to be thankful that I'm anxious? Wow. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all under all understanding, or as I like to say, our misunderstanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So then, concluding... After hearing all this, how would you rate your levels of stress in the four areas we've discussed today? With the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual types of stress, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? Let's give you a couple reference points. 1 to 3, you're doing pretty awesome, and you're able to handle any type of stress. And that's pretty rare and pretty unique. Mm -hmm. At 4 to 7, 
You're dealing with the unusual stressors of daily life, but hey, you're handling it pretty good, pretty well. Nothing seems to really be out of major control. And that's more our standard. Eight to 10, you're barely hanging on by a very frayed string and you're simply trying to just get through each day and stay alive. That's the more severe type. If you're over 10, you're just ready to end it all and check out of this place. That's you. Then you need to seek immediate help before doing anything else. Sadly, most of all of us fall in much higher ranges of stress due to either one or more of those combinations in the four areas of stress. So how about it? How are you handling the physical stress? What number are you? At some point, you need to address this. Emotionally, what number are you there? Mentally, how would you classify your thoughts? How is stress affecting your thoughts, your memory, your cognition? And spiritually, how do you see yourself through God and His Word? Well, believe it or not, all these stresses do show up and have a very significant effect that does show up in the way that we age. You see, stress is a primary cause of inflammation inside the body, as Dr. Luke was talking about, and ultimately that inflammation weakens us and wears us down, and eventually we lose the youthfulness and the ability to repair and regenerate a healthy life. Studies have proven that chronic stress can contribute to aging in a number of ways. So how about you? Doctors, any other comments? You know, I always find it interesting. Fear is kind of the basis of most of our uh, anxiety and stress. You know, our imagination is an amazing thing. And most of the stuff that we imagine never comes into existence. And anytime God uh, sent an angel to talk to somebody, and if you can imagine somebody j- appearing before you and all the glowing, glowing presence of God's power and saying something to you, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Why? Because the scriptures tells us the only thing you should fear is God himself, which means everything else is under his control and we live in his grace and he loves us. So as we said in the beginning of this, we hope that you really take a lot of what we're talking about today. Um, Take it to heart. We are here to help you find your purpose and to help you live up to the purpose that God sent you here for. I believe every one of our patients has a purpose. There's a reason they're here. And the worst thing is when they don't get the opportunity to live up to it or they decide to check out. So these are all some uh, very, very uh, deep stuff that we're gonna be talking about here and Mm -hmm. going through. And so Mm -hmm. we like to keep it pretty light, hard and have fun. But you know, these are pretty serious stuff here that we're talking about. And it's only gonna get more interesting as we go through here. So if you're not familiar with these different types of stresses or you weren't aware that these have this kind of effect in your body, take some time to sit down and really kind of go through and write out what kind of things you're dealing with and how you're dealing with it and take account of those things and then figure out what we need to do for you to start getting better. We're going to go over some different uh, opportunities and different ways of doing some things to help you alleviate some of that stress. And we're always available if you ever need us. Anything else? Yep. One of the things that I would add in, uh, if you want an indicator of what type of stress you're experiencing, pay attention to the words you use because you'll either say, I feel, I think, I believe. That can give you a clue to towards what type of stress you're experiencing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I like that. So in our next, next episode, we'll be discussing the thought processes. And as Dr. Kelly mentioned, we're going to get very emotional about that. <laughs> and Dr. Kyson is going to talk about some of the triggers, right, that's going on. But I just want to end it with, with this concept. As Dr. Kyson was just saying, if, if there's an issue, please don't just bury it. Don't stuff it down, as Dr. Caleb was talking about. Mm-hmm. And we all do that, by the way. And we're going to be talking about people that you are going to be able to identify with. 
It's probably you to begin with, right? But overall, we're going to start explaining why you see people do some of the things they do and react the way they react. And all of a sudden, you'll realize it's not really just them, but maybe it's what's in them or the life that's in them. Or as we'll even talk about in some of our episodes, you know, Lyme, the mold, and all these other factors, what they do to us. And we just got to be more cognizant and aware and not so judgmental. Remember, hurting people are hurting. And yet the one who's judging is probably hurting just as well. And that value conflict is probably what's caused them to be judgmental or react in the way they do. So one last note in all sincerity, if you have any issues, please reach out to somebody. We're here to help in any way we can, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be us. You know, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a priest, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a psychologist, you know, psychiatrist, somebody. Get into a group. Start talking. As Dr. Craig said, open up. Listen to your words. Listen to your thoughts. Pay attention to you because you really are the best way to determine what's going on in your life. So with that, God bless, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Docera Digest podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all the episodes and show notes over at doceralifecenter.com. While you're on the website, also be sure to check out the blog where you'll find videos and articles to help you proactively rebalance your health.